VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? Facebook can say we're not going to allow people to influence elections, but what about genuinely influencing the culture of countries? Because by doing that, you are actually trying to influence culture, and by influencing culture, you're influencing politics. So Facebook's remit for fake news has to be far wider than attempts to alter elections. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. This is your bonus episode for the week so we have brought on mike harris for the show and mike is the founder of 89 up which is a communications agency in london that is up to all kinds of interesting stuff including tracking what russia and other bad guys are up to on the internet um now i interviewed mike because this week 89 up published some really interesting research and what they did is they focused in on one website single website which has an anonymous owner anonymous staff, unlocatable head office. He had somehow, through the magic of social media, reached more than 10 million Brits with a very strong pro-Brexit, anti-Remain message, news articles, etc. And what's so interesting here is that this was just days after Facebook unveiled its latest crackdown on political ads. So putting in all these kind of guardrails like requiring anybody who plays a political ad to reveal their identity, a valid UK address, um, how much they paid, etc. And this website, Mainstream Network, as it's called, seems to be very much the type of uh, operation that Facebook would be trying to stamp out. It just gives you a sense of the kind of game of whack-a-mole that's going on in terms of Facebook trying to erect these walls to keep the bad guys out, and there are always new ways for them to get around it, through it, under it, etc. Anyhow, so I thought it was worth keep bringing Mike on the show to talk about what they found, what kind of what they see coming, and I think you'll really enjoy it, and you'll probably also find it just a little bit depressing. But anyhow, I will let him explain. So without further ado, here's Mike. So I'm Mike. Uh, I'm the founder of 89up. So we're a private communications um, agency. We work with a team of social media experts. We've got data analysts. We've got developers. We've got PR people. And the idea is we basically work for -for not-for-profit clients. So our model is around working for sort of change clients, people that want to make the world a better place. And so we also do a bit of work on, you know, off our own back in exposing things that we see and we're not happy with. What is this work you have done, which has uh, caused some kind of some waves in the UK? 
it sort of came in two parts. So first and foremost, we noticed after the EU referendum that about a year later, there was a lot of talk in the US about the role of bots, um, Russian bots during the US presidential election. And so we wanted to find out if any of those bots that had been um, exposed by the US Congress had been influential in the in the referendum that we had on the UK's membership of the European Union. And so we started doing some data analysis. And what we found wasn't necessarily hugely indicative of, of Russian bot um, networks, although other people, other academic researchers have found some evidence for this. But what we did find was the role of the two big Russian state broadcasters that operate in the UK, um, Russia Today and Sputnik. And we found that they had a bigger social media influence than one of the two Leave campaigns. And their total social media reach was basically significant, you know, as significant as. Wait, this. so hold on. One of the one of the state Russian broadcasters was had a bigger social media presence than the actual one of the official campaigns. I presume the um, which side was it bigger than? Uh, it was bigger than the Aaron Banks uh, Leave campaign. There were two Leave campaigns. Confusingly, it was bigger than the Aaron Banks, the Nigel Farage Aaron Banks uh, Leave campaign. But on Twitter, there the Russian state broadcasters nearly had as big a presence as the main leave campaign itself. So what we saw was the huge, the sort of huge social media reach of these two unregulated Russian state actors. And we submitted this evidence to um, the Culture Media Sport Select Committee, Parliament's Culture Media Sport Select Committee. And the committee looked at this evidence and actually have commissioned us to help support their um, investigation into fake news both in the UK, but also part of this will be looking at the US and the US presidential elections as well. Right. And just so I understand, so that presence that you found, was that, was it obvious that who this presence was? Was it, you know, this is Russia today, we think, you know, vote leave? Or was it, is it kind of hiding in plain sight? Or was it a bit surreptitious? How, what form did it take? It, it was, it was hiding in plain sight. I mean, the, the, the moment we started, we scraped all of the news articles that the two broadcasters had published on their uh, websites. And we started looking at the amount of social media engagement that these articles had. We then separated the articles out. In Britain? Uh, well, you can't quite differentiate, so right. you can only draw rough conclusions, but basically the social media impact of these articles. And um, right. uh, then we sort of did analysis, which was desk research on what would a reasonable person think, having read this article, would they vote leave, would they vote remain? And we found that the articles are heavily biased towards you know, a reasonable person voting leave. And then we started looking at how this content was transmitted in the UK. So what we found was Russia Day and Sputnik would put out very, very kind of leading headlines about the number of refugees that will turn up in the UK if people didn't vote leave. And then we found huge evidence of Facebook groups being used to spread this, this message some of which we would mm. classify as fake news because we don't think it had any evidence at any basis in kind of in evidence. It would spread this through those social media platforms. And were those Facebook groups also Russia Today or were those just kind of organic? Some of them were definitely organic and some of them we have no idea of the provenance of the groups. So these are closed groups. It's not clear who the moderators are. It's not clear who's behind them. A lot of them are linked to what you would describe as the alt-right What's really interesting about the rise of these Facebook groups, Facebook is desperate to say and has said on the record, 
Facebook groups, you know, they have some influence, the, but, you know, they're not the big story. They're not how most of the content gets shared on our website. If right. you look at how the far right in Europe is moving, is basically spreading fake news, it's all through groups. And the reason it's through groups is because groups have some of the highest engagement levels on Facebook. So typically, a publication like like The Times, Sunday Times, shared on your Facebook page, you'll get about 2%. Your levels of engagement about 1% to 2%. Groups, the figure is significantly higher. And so stuff that goes on to groups and gets high levels of engagement quickly is very, very visible in a way that other Facebook content isn't. And so all of this was all of this that you found, was that kind of part one? So that's part one. And then the committee, <laughs> this is part one. And we, uh, uh, we got a, a nice kicking in the Russian media for our, um, for our efforts. Uh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. And the Russian ambassador, uh, the Russian embassy in London tweeted about us saying that we were fake news purveyors, which was lots of fun. Which is actually, he can't say anymore, right? Or no one is supposed to say that fake news anymore. This is the new rules. Yes, 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 exactly. So, uh, and then he also accused us of being lo- uh, lavishly bankrolled by a foreign oligarch, which obviously referring to George Soros, even though we've never, we've, we've, you know, we've, we've never. You haven't we, met George? We have never taken, we have never taken uh, money directly yeah. from George Soros, although we've worked with some of the organizations he funds. So yeah, right. I mean, it was just the classic thing where we're, Sor- we're Soros people and we're out to destroy the great name of Mother Russia. So we had all right. that and that was fun. And then we started uh, working with the committee and we've been working on the committee's report, which is coming out in November. It's going to be a really, really important piece of research. It's all embargoed to November, so I can't say very much. But it, I, I think, yeah. you know... Our, what is, and what is, the, what is the goal of this research or what is the kind of the gist of it? So the gist of it is it's going to explore how some of the organizations that have been very influential in the rise of fake news, the methods and the software that they've used in order to push this to an unsuspecting public. And our report that was released last Friday, which outlined just one website, mainstreamnetwork.co.uk, that made that well, that made huge waves across the world because I think people are very, very worried that there are non-state actors or rich oligarchs or rich people who are able right. entirely in secret push messages, very strong political messages in order to change public opinion on certain issues. And yet we don't know who they are. And Facebook is still allowing these people to push their propaganda through their network, actually with very limited uh, transparency. So what did you, what was it that you put out uh, in these past few days? Because that, that, that is part of this upcoming uh, report that is coming out in November. So we found an anonymous pro-Brexit website called Mainstream Network. We've estimated that around potentially up to 11 million people in the UK have been targeted with its adverts. Its adverts are all against the government's proposals for Brexit, the Chequers deal. So this ad- this website is advocating for a very, very hard Brexit. And we found that it was targeting individual MPs with uh, specific Facebook ads. We found that it was collecting data which we believe and the view of this parliamentary committee is that it could be in breach of the law. It could be collecting right. data illegally. And the amount of shares and engagement on this website, some of the posts were being um, engaged with over 10,000 10, times on social media platforms. This is really high level of, really high level of, of, of social media engagement. 
we don't think this was organic. We think this was significantly paid for. And what we don't know is who is it that has up to a quarter of a million pounds plus this website, plus an editor who's writing the content for, the, for, for, for this website. This is an inexpensive operation. And yet the people who have been targeted with these adverts are totally unsuspecting and they think this is a you know, respectable news operation, which is, right. you know, which is pushing forward a view on the checkers deal. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And obviously, it's, a, it's quite a sophisticated operation as well. If, they've, if they're crafting content that actually is resonating with people and being shared all over the place yeah again there was another attack on george soros on this website uh there was an attack on uh, the government's line there's lots of attacks on the labor party it is a uh, it is pushing a very very specific political line but all of our efforts to find out who was behind this website including journalists who have since followed up the website will not state who it is we have no idea who is spending this much money on this political campaign and the difference is you know say for example uh, a non, an NGO or a charity decides to be this political well firstly a charity has very strict rules about what it can and can't do so this yeah. sort of you know, very difficult for them so say it's a not say it's an NGO or trade union or whoever or a, or a business lobby group you would know who the company directors of, of that were. You would know who the members of those organisations mm. were. You would know where their funding comes from, roughly. Journalists could ask questions about their campaign, but we have absolutely no idea. We don't even know if this website is based... We don't even know if the people behind this website are based in the UK. They could be foreign governments. We have absolutely no right, idea. Right, because I feel I feel like I remember... Uh, I read some of the stories around this when you guys put this out, and it was something like it was... An, the website is registered to via some one of these proxy services yes where i think it's like arizona or something but basically where you cannot get through to even who is behind who helped set that up because there's that layer in between it's it's registered with a un uh, u.s domain provider godaddy and they have paid for an anonymous uh, a service to make their identity anonymous so there's absolutely no way of tracing that way. They haven't left any telltale clues uh, in the building of the website. In their privacy policy, and they are collecting data, there is no idea of how you, and th- this again is potentially um, illegal, 
I give them my email address because I contact my MP through one of their forms. I can't get my data that this website is holding on me. And under GDPR, you have the right to have the right to be forgotten, right to have your data deleted. So they're not doing that either. So whether or not they're based, they could be based anywhere in the world, GDPR still applies and therefore there should be an easy way for people to get their data back. So the Information Commissioner's Office potentially could be um, investigating this and uh, I'm, I'm hoping we find out who this organization is. But so basically the just you have an anonymous source of money, 250 grand that's been spent on, and the 250 grand figure, that is what has been spent on buying ads or, 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 or what? So it's an estimate of how much it would have cost for the level of social media engagements right. we've seen. So it's, it's sort of an up to 250. So this is us looking at campaigns and sort of estimating, you know, say, for example, their adverts were very broadly targeted the figure yeah. will be much lower than that. If these adverts were very, very super targeted and they only targeted specific constituencies, specific age groups, specific demographics, then the figure could actually yeah. even be higher. So it's just a sort of rough measure of how much money that, that, that could have been spent. But the idea is that you have somebody somewhere spending hundreds of thousands of pounds to spread anti well, anti-checkers deal, uh, anti-remain messages. Yeah. And there's no accountability. We don't know who it is. We don't know where the money's coming from. What strikes me is that I think it was in the past few days, Facebook just made a big song and dance about their new political ad rules in the UK, in the US, etc. But it does feel like we still have a long way to go for this system to actually work because there still seems to be a lot of holes in the system that allow things like this to happen there are huge holes in the system i mean as you know we knew about this problem from 2016 okay so there's a lot of um straight after the referendum in the uk straight after the u.s presidential elections there was a lot of concern immediately about how the main social media platforms had behaved the advertising they took and the transparency two years later we are still seeing very specific examples of fake news websites. I mean, Facebook know the credit card and the name of who placed these adverts online. They could turn around and say, it's this person, we're, we're shopping them to the ICO, we're not happy with what's happened on our platform. At the moment, Facebook haven't done that. So I just think they've had two years to get their house in order. It seems very late in the day for them to be saying, well, we're going to flag up political advertising to already we're seeing new issues that are arising so for example the role of facebook groups in the persecution of the rohingya fake right. news was spread about rohingya in burma you know tens of thousands of people have been burnt out of their homes it's a massive humanitarian crisis social media networks have had a role to play in that the role of fake news in the brazilian elections whatsapp is spreading rumors about specific uh, presidential candidates which is helping the current leader who is incredibly dangerous has praised the military dictatorship in brazil has very very hardline views could take yeah. the country backwards so some of this is a paid problem and some of this is a problem that they've got with how people are using the network organically it's almost worth them getting the pay their paid house in order because that's actually the bit that's causing the most attention. The organic bit is, is I, I admit, I think it's a really difficult problem for them. But at it least is. they can it say... Is. Because also, you know, we have the midterm elections coming up here. 
and there's a lot of lot of attention being paid. And I don't know if you saw about a week ago, there's a whole flurry of stories about the Facebook quote unquote war room and how they'd set up this. They basically de- dedicated a conference room in their headquarters to anti-election meddling technology monitoring, etc. And they got a whole load of coverage. But again, you know, you're uncovering something like this, which, as you say, is hiding in plain sight and sounds like quite a sophisticated operation. It feels like there's a lot of theater going on right now. In the meantime, elections are happening and influence is being used in in pretty nefarious ways. Yeah, and I, th- I think that... I think Facebook's created a bind for itself because the debates a couple of years ago were we're giving a platform for these new media organisations that they couldn't have had before. And so Facebook treated new media outlets in exactly the way as it, it treated older, more traditional media. And that was a choice and the algorithm incentivized uh, shares and likes and content that snowballed quickly but of course a lot of the stuff that snowballed quickly was stuff that people felt angry about or people felt an immediate emotional attachment to and you don't feel an immediate emotional attachment to a piece of non-partisan reporting where the journalist is taking care to represent the facts correctly i tell you 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 feel a real emotional attachment to look at this corrupt politician you know stealing your taxpayers money is the sort of stuff that did really well and so what we had or is a, look at this this you know let's use a kind of stock photo of immigrants at the border and yeah. say it's happening now and be like okay this is this is what's happening to our country get you know get upset about it and the platform knew this was happening it kept eyeballs kept people in their news feeds and they could see what was happening sociologically and the impact these platforms had sociologically they could see what was happening in burma which happened incidentally was you know started uh, in the blogosphere and then moved on to social platforms. This has been going on for three, four years. Like all of this stuff has been happening and yet their algorithm has stayed fairly consistent. There have been changes, but again, yeah. it's like what we don't ever get from Facebook is a real overarching sense of, of of where the company's going and how they're going to handle and their responsibility on, on, in the online world. And to date, all of the big platforms have had a position, which is we're not editors we're impartial purveyors of information. If people like this information, our role is to distribute it. And I, I just don't think that when democracy is genuinely under threat from, from, from third-party state actors, in particular the Russians, the Chinese haven't even started yet, by the way, they, they just can't be impartial. They can't just be, oh, we're just arbiters. It, it doesn't really matter for us. I mean, I, this is obviously kind of a difficult question or the kind of the $64 million question. If we could wave a magic wand going forward, uh, because again, I feel like there's a lot of theater. There's a lot of kind of closing the barn door after the horse is bolted. But if going forward, especially with as elections, you know, will continue to happen, et cetera, is is there one or two things that you see from where you know you guys have been digging through all of this stuff where you say, oh, this isn't this is a fix, or this is the main thing that we need to address in order to keep this stuff from happening. Paying for content is the big problem. So essentially, if, you know, and we this isn't all proved and we don't know, but for example, you know, the ability for rich people to basically put through leaflets through every American's doors in the run-up to the midterms, that's, that is the equivalent. Or, you know, and in fact, the ability for the Russian government to put leaflets through the door of every American home in the run-up to the midterms, because that's actually what 
potentially has happened. And um, that's, that's effectively what this is. Yeah. You know, 50, 30, 40 years ago, we wouldn't have allowed that. We said, hang on a minute, you are not allowed to put leaflets through the doors of American families asking them, you know, trying to move their vote. So we just need so much more transparency about political adver- advertising. And that is more broad than just the here and now of politics. So I'll give you an example. Uh, probably a week, two weeks ago, the internet went huge for a video of um, a woman on the New York subway spraying men's crotches who were, you know, mansplaining. So they sat there with their legs out wide and this uh, <laughs> apparently female activist went around spraying bleach at their crotches. And so what this fired up was a culture war where lots of uh, men said, this is really dangerous, you know, she could have really hurt someone, she could have accidentally sprayed someone in the eyes. Suddenly you saw people defending the woman, being like, yeah, well, we're fed up of, you know, men, da 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 It was entirely fabricated. It was fabricated by a Russian fake news website who staged the entire thing and placed it online and it caused yet another debate in, you know, the West's ongoing culture wars. The whole thing never happened. And this travelled all over the world, partly, you know, again, we haven't done the analysis, we don't know, but it could have been paid, but either way, it went went everywhere. And, I mean, that is political. So Facebook can say, we're not going to allow people to influence elections, but what about genuinely influencing the culture of countries? Because by doing that, you are actually trying to influence culture are by influencing culture influencing politics so facebook's remit for fake news has to be far wider than attempts to alter elections it's got to be attempts to move public opinion well i don't know if you saw in the past week uh these charges were unsealed against a russian woman from the who worked at the internet research agency you know the, the saint petersburg troll farm yeah and it lays out in very very granular detail exactly how they did it what they sought to do and it was basically choose wedge issues and then drum up division by you know writing memes or etc that would basically double down on whatever issue whether it be gun rights immigration etc and it was really just about sowing chaos that was the goal yeah yeah it's the methodology i mean peter poremzev's book on this is just a must read and you know it's it's you know peter peremzev uh pomerenzev his pomerenzev uh yeah i can't remember the title but the, his book is really great it's a fantastic look at how the kremlin manipulates opinion in russia where there are sort of false rallies you know you have all these sort of anti-government rallies but they're actually orchestrated by the government and it's ordered to sow confusions and people can no longer understand or trust what's going around them. And it sort of feels like that a bit today. It, it feels like that a bit today, particularly in the UK and the US, where we yeah. think where, where there is this element of chaos with Brexit and Trump. And people are like, I don't know what to trust. I don't know what to, you know, and part, part of that chaos is certainly self-made. But because we don't know if things are being manipulated or... Uh, or we're only seeing one side of the story through the filter bubble, then I think it's making people trust trust everyone and everything less. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Mike for taking the time at such short notice to chat um, all the way from London. Fun fact, Mike and I were actually in the same NCT class two years ago, um, which I hadn't realized uh, somehow until we actually got in touch so we we did spend a few minutes swapping baby stories which 
I thought I'd be nice and just cut that out of the conversation. But um, anyhow, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, there's obviously much more work to be done on this whole world of political advertising and what's allowed and what isn't. Anyhow, I'm actually writing a story on that this week. If you want to see that, do pick up the Sunday Times. Uh, You can also see it online at thetimes.co.uk. You can find me on the Twitter at Danny Fortson. Email me at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk. That is all I have. I will talk to you next week. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.